Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and this is 70mm, a podcast for film lovers just like you. Every Monday, I chat about recently watched movies with my close friend and artist, Danny Haas. We sat down, and we got 25 minutes in, and all of a sudden the TV pauses, and I look over, and she's like, I I can't do this. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll go to my office and watch it. It was it. She was done. And my close friend and movie insider, Protolexis. This was another situation where I'm sitting down on the couch, and my kids are around me, and I think I had uh, I had the Voodoo account up, and uh, this was on there. And I'm looking, and I'm thinking, can I watch this with kids in the room? Every month, we have a new theme that guides our featured presentation for that episode, and this time around, we're continuing with '70s Month and Proto's pick, Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon from 1975. Is it the most beautiful movie ever made about the soul-sucking nature of the elite class? Or is Barry just a total dud? Use the chapters in your podcast app to skip right to that discussion, and let's find out the answer to that question right now. The hot Discord topic of the day. Every so often I decide we should talk about what's going on in our Discord. You know, if you're a supporter, you can get action in the Discord. Uh, Talk about hot movie topics. See what kind of snacks people are eating. Austin Butler. I can't. You heard about this guy, Austin (laughs) Butler? He played Elvis in this Elvis movie. Baz Luhrmann. He's sexy. He's sweaty. He's... He's Elvis personified. Mm-hmm. And he just won like a golden globe. For his uh, role in Elvis. For his role in as Elvis. The king. But he's getting guff online because he's got like this Elvis drawl. People are guffing mm-hmm. him, Proto. What are you you're the insider. You're the movie insider. You've got your your ears to the railroad tracks. What do you what do you think about all this? Um I wonder if this is just a real condition that he's suffering from. Is this something that actors, uh, you know, experience where they really pour themselves so much into a role that they mm. can't escape it later on? Mm-hmm. Should we? Should he be seeking help for this, or is this a good side effect? I thought. I also that thought crossed my mind as well. Is you know maybe he tried this accent out for so long that he just liked it enough to keep it. Yeah, maybe that's what's going on. You never do something so often you you start to like it. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. We've all been there, Danny. What do you think about this? You're a big Elvis. Uh, Elvis is aficionado. huge, for you, right? Aficionado, they call it. Elvis so what do you, is you huge. haven't even seen this movie though. You refuse to no, see. No, I'm it. not watching this. I'm not watching this I'm until musicals this. This month, and I choose it, and I force. Are us you to watch really going to choose this on music? It's not even a musical. So, I mean, they're singing, right? He sings? he sings in this? None of us have seen it. None of us have seen it, Sam. <laughs> everyone, everyone listening in their car, their fists are clenched. <laughs> <laughs> They're white knuckling it. Uh, I'm not watching this movie, but... You're taking a stand. This accent is ridiculous. 
Get it out of here. My boy, my boy. Woo! God. Oh, man. All my words are leaving me. Um, I, I just am so grateful right now. I'm in this room full of my heroes. Brad, I love you. Quinn and I printed out the Pulp Fiction script when I was 12. I cannot believe I'm here right now. Um, I just want to thank the Hollywood Foreign Press for this honor. I want to also say to my fellow nominees, you have turned in the most beautiful, profound work, and I am so honored and proud to be listed among you. <laughs> Didn't Madonna have like an English accent for a few years? Remember that era? Remember Madonna? I am not a Madonna yeah. aficionado. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Her TikToks are scaring me, though. Her, listen, Madonna, we care for you. I have seen some oh. of these TikToks float into my IG Explore. Scary. I can't handle what goes in there any any anymore. Mm. Unhandleable. Supporters, we talked about supporters getting access to Discord. We have on the calendar our next pilot episode recording. Pilot episodes, we discuss TV shows, this iteration of our, the season of like supporter episodes. What the heck was our most recent episode? Gilmore Girls. Uh, Gilmore. Gilmore Girls? Oh my God, we recorded that ages ago. We need to wake up. So Gilmore Girls is our last episode. The next one is on the docket. Stay tuned, supporters. I thought you were about to say it. No, Daria. Oh my God. Hannah says Daria when. Remember that show, Daria, on MTV? No. Let's get into Proto 2.0. Yeah. Please. This is the year of Proto reimagined, and you finally took the step to watch everything, everywhere, all at once. Since oh, yes. last we spoke. Wait, you watched it? I didn't see that. That's because our letterbox feed bot was down oh, for a bit. No. Everyone in a panic. Nobody this, knew how to find people's reviews yeah. when this Discord bot died. Where's the website where you read these reviews? Does anybody know? <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it. Uh, I was. I got it, it gifted to me in the VHS Village Secret Santa from mm. RDW or RDW. RWT chats. Mm -hmm. um, he gifted it to me. So I was finally able to see this movie. Um, it's as crazy as everyone said. <laughs> it's all true. Um, it's a fun ride. You know, it's a fun movie. I had, a, I had a great time watching this. It was great to see short round back in action. Um, you know, I, I, it was, I kind of had like an up and down experience with it though, because I thought the first half hour was so well-crafted uh, where it was just kind of, you know, quote unquote straight with the realities right. that I felt like I could have watched a whole movie of that, the way they were yeah. telling the story, the dynamics between this family. And then, it, you know, it gets pretty crazy in the, the, the meat of it. Um, and I, you know, I was like, ah, I don't know. But then by the, I really, it, they, it finishes really, really strong for mm. a film. Um, so I had a great time finally getting around to this. I haven't clicked on Letterbox. How many stars did you give it? I gave it four stars. Beautiful. Wow. Perfect. Have you seen Swiss Army Man with Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe? Their previous the farting movie? movie. The farting movie. The farting movie. No, I have not. Oh my god! I'd love to get your take on that. I'd, I'd love, love to get it. my take too. Farting month. <laughs> oh, Swiss Army mm. Man would be my pick probably. Goodness. Write that down. <laughs> Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Fartober trainer suggests Farch <laughs> 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 
I mean, we talked about 2.0, but you, you're you on a run. You watch Banshees uh, of Inishirin as well. Yeah, I started off I've never off seen year. you attached to so uh, many Oscar buzzworthy movies yeah. in my life. Movie insider. Well, you know, it, a lot of movies hit streaming right at the, the right time. So this uh, this is on HBO Max at the moment. Um, yeah, I kind of snuck in like a half hour of this here, half hour there, like down in the family room, you know, my kids pass through, you know, like pausing the TV, they want to get a drink of water, go back upstairs. I was at, you know, I was, I was grinding this movie. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Actually, it reminded me of, of, a of like reading a book. I don't know if that makes much sense, but it had like the way that the scenes in the movie were so, um, so intimate between the characters, but then mm. it, it takes place over a good length of time, but the characters were really compelling. I would say it's like a really good, you know, character study on this amazing island. Who knew that there was islands around Ireland? I didn't That's even know that. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? No. So they can, you can live on an island off of an island. It's innovating. <laughs> <laughs> Your enunciation on that word is freaking me out. <laughs> innovating. <laughs> <laughs> I give that four stars though. Um, Colin Farrell, what a what an actor! Yeah, he's having a run. He just won. He won at the Golden Globes as well. So that coupled with your review, I mean, everyone was talking about Banshees, but I finally made the effort to add it to my watch list officially oh. today. So okay, who knows? We'll see what the future brings. Yeah, I'd like to hear what you think. Uh, I do want to hear about one more movie that you watch. You watch a lot of movies. I do, if I may. Granted. Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> what what pushed you to watch this Robert Rodriguez vehicle? Um, this was another situation where I'm sitting down on the couch and my kids are around me. And I think I had uh, I had the Voodoo account up and uh, this was on there. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, can I watch this with kids in the room? She says, well, you don't know unless you try. So <laughs> There's no I mean, way to find out <laughs> unless you hit play. <laughs> yeah, so I put it on and me and the boys were having a great time watching this. You know, this um, very flashy, reminds me of Speed Racer a lot in the, the way that it feels, the way that it looks. Uh, Robert Rodriguez vehicle, uh, Alita Battle Angel, screenplay written, uh, co-written, including with uh, James Cameron. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, James yeah. Cameron. Yeah, he worked on this screenplay. Um, Long yeah, gestating project this... for Cameron. This movie. I think he's been like attached to it Long for decades. What? Oh, really? Out. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know anything about Alita Battle. Is it? Is it a, a manga? It is. It is based on a manga. Yeah. Okay. What'd you think of the CGI? Because that's my main memory. When I first saw it, I thought I had the best CGI I've ever seen at the time. Yeah, I thought it was very good. Yeah, I. I it, it, Saw kind of like glimmers almost of like the way of water in this. I wonder mm. if, um, I wonder what kind of tech they were using for this. Yeah. Cause I thought it looked really good. Like the action scenes were actually really compelling and, um, you know, they weren't just like, like mushy or just, you know, nonsensical, but, mm -hmm. uh, the, like the combat scenes were, were really good. And then there's like, uh, the, the roller ball that's in this looked oh. amazing as well. There's just, you know, they're like on roller skates, um, these cyborgs fighting mm -hmm. each other, which is, which is good stuff. Um, at one point, yeah, Jenna did come down into the room and she she said, you got to turn this off. So, <laughs> so I did, Shut but then right we now. finished it when she disappeared again. It was was it in 4K? Is there a 4K available of that or is that just HD? Um, Do you remember? I don't remember. I, I remember it, though. the manga of that, I think was re-released or finally made digital when I was at 
Comixology, and we ha- I think the re-release removed some panels because it was like super racy. Like, I think there's like the first oh. issue. There's like a hot scene in the first like mm. couple pages, and you know how manga gets. If you you well, know I don't. Iyk well, Yk. Uh, talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody Google uh, Battle Angel Alita remove pages. <laughs> Nobody do that. Um, <laughs> Let's say hello to some new patrons. Connor, Hector, Ben, Kylo, Nelby, and John all joined since we last recorded. They got access to that VHS Village Discord we talked about. Uh, 30 plus apps in there we have, and those are available to patrons. But also if you subscribe via Apple or Spotify, you can get access to just those episodes. We also give out a free year of Letterboxd Pro every week. And we have a winner on uh, that tagged the review, 70mm pod on Letterboxd. For the new Puss in Boots. Excuse me. Is DreamWorks back? Yes. Is this better than Avatar? Yes. Oh. Will this be in my top four movies? No. But if there was a fifth one, it could be. Beautiful story and gorgeous animation. Even the jokes were actually funny, which I did not expect. Need the anime version ASAP. When are you seeing Puss in Boots, Danny? Never. Is that because of the its relation to Shrek? Adjacent. Shrek, the Shrek adjacent. cinematic universe. Yeah. But no, I But it's no using the Spidey to. animation. Allegedly. I, don't, I saw the trailer. I don't believe it. Mm. Maybe my kids will watch it. You, you did watch a few, or maybe at least one animated movie. Atlantis, which I want to hear more about. Atlantis. I was trying to watch something with my kids on that day. Uh, none of them sat down with me when I hit play, which is fine. But they all walked through like staring at it for like five seconds, like they were about to sit because they were actually interested. Uh, I watched, but yeah, but yeah, I watched Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Disney animated film from, I believe, 2001. And it's just one that I love. I love it dearly. It's, it's underrated. It's gorgeous animation. It's, it's all, it's like a production designed by Mike Magnolia. And it's just, it's some beautiful stuff. It's just a, like a long forgotten Disney animated film that I feel like more people should watch and it should have a better presence in the Disney parks, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and I, I love Michael J. Fox also as the lead yeah. character. He just, it just works really well. His voice is so iconic. Um, but yeah, I love that film. It's a beautiful animated film. This came out during the kind of like forgotten era. Was this the brother bear era as well? Sure. Yeah. It's around this, it's around this time coming out of the Renaissance. Right. What's the name of that era? Does it have an era name? This era? Yeah. No, not really. I mean, it's it is it's like this is like the second Renaissance or something. I don't know what they wanted to call it. That's a terrible name. Yeah, I don't, it, they're so dumb. <laughs> uh, the Renaissances. <laughs> Chill out. I mean, all this complaining about this Genie Plus app I'm seeing online. What are we talking about here? All the Genie Plus. <laughs> Listen. This isn't a theme park podcast. That's All for right, my next sorry. project. There's plenty of theme park podcasts you can get into to discuss whether or not Genie Plus app is good or bad. What about Moonfall? Moonfall, yes. Thank you for bringing it up. Today I was flipping through whatever to watch while I was working. I don't know why I came across Moonfall. And then I just pulled it up on Letterboxd and I saw a Proto 3 star on it. And I'm like, hell yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Didn't read his review until I was done, but I saw that he had a three star on it. So I just fired it up on HBO Max. And um, God, it was a lot of fun. I just enjoyed the hell out of that movie. I didn't, 
when you see like, I think the average on letterbox is like a two point something. <laughs> like it's right. bad. Uh, so my expectations are very low and it didn't really disappoint. It, it just was there and it was exciting. It had a lot of like really, it. I was interested in the whole moon getting closer to earth type uh, catastrophic event. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty cool idea. The back half of the movie gets bonkers, like incredibly bonkers. It goes where I was definitely not expecting, mm. uh, but I had fun. It's just fun. It's a fun sci-fi film. And I was shocked on how much fun I actually had. We, um, we also have developed palettes for these disasters. You're right. I mean, we grew, we grew up with these movies. You're right. Yeah. yeah. We were molded by these disaster movies. Mm-hmm. So we knew what to expect. Um, Patrick Wilson looks incredible in this film too. Patrick Wilson. Good old Patrick. His body. His body. My Kelly Berry's great in it too. It's a fun movie. And the kid from Game of Thrones. God, we should do the, we didn't do the conjuring. We should do the conjuring one day. Scary month. Scary. When are we gonna do that? August. Scary month month. in August. Uh, Yeah. So that that I Moonfall was fun. Check it out. HBO Max. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Just a reminder: Barry Lyndon, right around the corner. Barry Lyndon, Stanley Kubrick. He's back. Kubrick's second appearance on this podcast, not physically, allegedly. You know his main feature presentation. Do I want to talk about? Do we have time? We always have time. Uh, I rewatched Maverick for the first time since I saw <laughs> oh, it in baby. theaters. Looks fantastic on Paramount. Yeah. Whoever's yeah. in charge of the back end They're of Paramount Plus, you earned your paycheck, my friend. Hannah wants me to talk about the Jump Streets. <sighs> <clears throat> now, I've never seen a Jump Street. Oh, my God. Is there a 21 before 22? They don't make them like this anymore. Answer me. There is, yeah. There is. There's 21 Jump Street. And a 22? It's based on an old television. No, I know. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Hold on. I'm getting getting beach ball on the browser here. Let me see. All right. I'm good. But yeah, 21 Jump Street, Phil Lord, Christopher Miller. Ever heard of them? Have you ever heard of them? The directors? Solo movies. They got booted off the solo movie for whatever. Reason cloudy with Could a chance been. of meatballs. They were oh, the directors of Banger, the Lego Movie, mm. and then they got fired off of Solo for some Meanful. reason, which we don't have to get into again. Um, but it has Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum. My God, Brie Larson. She's like unrecognizable in this movie. Oh gosh, mm. I, I I'm I'm stunned because I, when I was watching it, I couldn't remember if that was Brie Larson in this movie and I didn't bother to look it up. And now I'm like, I'm shaken to my sick. core that that was Brie Larson. Anywho, I loved it. Five stars. I had an amazing time. Another five It's star. so fun. There's a, there was a second one that I watched, a man and I watched today. Still great. And right before the Warner Brothers, I think got sold to AOL or, what, or AT&T like years ago, they were developing a third one that was going to be a, a combination of the Jump Street people with Men in Black. It was going to be some kind of insane combination of a movie. Wow. Um, and it never it never got off the ground after that. Wow. I would watch that. <laughs> Terrible. 
I mean, I don't know. Once you watch these movies and start mm-hmm. to see the humor in them, like I would be all in. Like I'm all in on 30 Jump Streets. Like that the fact that they haven't gone back to this franchise, maybe Phil Lord and Christopher Miller don't want to. They're doing, I don't know, 100 different Nothing. projects at one time. Are you a Channing Tatum believer? <laughs> don't know where that was going. I thought there was going to be like a T word, like a tater tot or something. I don't know. I, I think he's, I think he's good. He's good in uh, the jump streets. He's good in what else have I seen him in? I have no idea. I'm looking at his filmography. I haven't seen the new lost city. This um, is the end. Magic Mike. I don't even know if I've seen a magic Mike. Maybe I've seen mm. the first one. He can dance. He can, he can act. He's got the total package. Oh, he was in hail Caesar. He had that scene at dancing. Oh, oh a dancer. Yeah, he's like yeah, a dance yeah, yeah. specialist now he's that we funny. look at his all of his movies. This is the end. I think I, I soured that. on Tatum due to his cameo in Free Guy. What the hell's Free Guy? With Ryan Reynolds, that like computer you that watch NPC these movies. Movie. I soured on so many actors after they appear in that movie. I needed <laughs> to like a cleanse. Oh yeah. I don't need to go. I won't even say. I don't want to. I don't want to bring. I don't want to bring the show clients. down. There's no point in bringing the show down. But I will say that one actor should never be in a movie ever again after what I saw in that thing. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Ever. Ever. <laughs> no, not Ryan Reynolds. Taika. Moving on. <laughs> should we get into Barry Lyndon? Oh, 19- I just, could we? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready either. I, oh. I just I noticed that you saw you saw a move you saw a new release you saw uh, Megan <gasps> in theater. Oh. You gave this movie four and a half stars. Family out. Could you tell us what's going on here? Never <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mind. I saw that this movie was out. Like I had heard about this movie for like months in the Letterbox Slack. Like Megan, Megan, Megan. You see memes already. I don't know what the f this movie is. It's about a doll. I guess an evil doll. And then I saw that we weren't doing anything. On a Friday night. So I texted both my son and Amanda. I was like, you want to go see a movie Friday night? And I screen capped the synopsis because I can't share links in Facebook Messenger with a child, my own child. And I screen capped <laughs> the letterbox like synopsis and rating. And they're like, yeah, okay. So we went. Um, it's a hoot. It's an absolute hoot. It's like Chucky. It's like Child's Play for a younger generation it's pg-13 oh. so it's not r so like you know younger people can go see it and i don't think it takes itself too seriously it's about this character who is developing you know like furbies at this company but they, she oh. has like a secret project where it's like more of a smart artificial intelligence which is megan and she has this prototype and her uh, her sister and her brother-in-law die in a car accident and so she takes you know she's responsible for their daughter and she's like grieving, she's depressed. So she brings home this Megan doll to like cheer her up. Oh no. Um, <laughs> but it's very funny. I thought it was amazing. I, it's funny. We were laughing out loud in the theater. It was a great time. I loved it. It's a Blumhouse. I don't know if anyone cares about Blumhouse. It's funny. It, it has, it's, it's really funny. I recommend it. I mean, I had a four and a half star time. I'm not saying it's a four and a half star movie or whatever, but I think you are. It's fun. It's like very the same fun. plot as after Yang. <laughs> I did see a tweet saying that this is like the prequel to After Yang. <laughs> Art in chat says Slim's it's a doll eerily close to his like a dog impression. <laughs> I heard it too. Barry Lyndon, 1975. 70s month. Rolls on. 
So it's Proto's pick, Kubrick. Oh. Proto's. Is, oh, what is that? That looks like a small sugar free Red Bull. It's a bubbly. What it's an that? adult beverage. It's oh a sparkling water. <laughs> this is Proto's pick. First Stanley Kubrick movie since The Shining. Very scandalous episode back in its day for one host rating. But Proto, what is Barry Lyndon? In 18th century Ireland, Redmond Barry, a lad of meager means, falls in love with his cousin Nora. But when she becomes betrothed to a British officer of 1,500 pounds, Redmond challenges him to a duel. Outwitted, he is convinced that he has killed the officer and flees his home. Seeking a refuge, Redmond joins the British army, but quickly discovers the dangers of war. Over the next few years, he becomes a card shark of sorts until he meets the wealthy Countess of Linden, woos her, and settles in England to a lavish lifestyle and becomes Barry Linden. Unfortunately, this is where his troubles begin as he crests the zenith of social status. His life comes crashing down, losing his wealth, family, and limb. At last, we see the dejected Barry Linden returning to his homeland with a wake of misfortune behind him. Barry Linden. <laughs> the wig of misfortune. That sounds like a movie title. <laughs> That's a gun in... Uh, Destiny. Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> wig of misfortune. Sorry, Forrest, when you're listening to this. <laughs> Uh, Barry Lyndon, I had heard of this movie just floating around in my letterbox, never seen it, never really seen any stills. In fact, I often confuse this with Amadeus because oh, I, I, I think I've seen one letterbox review, which it says like the movie pretty much asked the question, what if a man was a bitch or something like that? Oh like, my God, excuse me. What if a man was, I think that was it. And I was like, well, that sounds like Amadeus. So I, I had the both of them confused. Danny, what about you? Had you seen this movie in the past? You haven't seen this in the past, right? No, I hadn't seen it at all. And I didn't hear about this until former producer, now disgraced, Ian championed it. Uh, and then it kind of was on my radar. And I never really found time to watch it, nor did I really care. Never, really, It didn't really interest me a bit. I do... I do love the art on the box. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. I, I like the typography and stuff. But yeah, I haven't never visited this. I didn't really want to give it a shot, sort of, until 70s month. It was on my short list for picking as well. Oh. Yeah. Holy moly. Proto, why why did you choose this, Proto? Um, uh, well, I, you know, I want to make my way through all the Kubricks, and I haven't seen this one before. And I'm the same as you. I think I discovered this on Letterboxd at some point, probably looking at uh, the list of movies that Kubrick has done. And this was one of the few that I haven't seen. So this is kind. Of, this has been on my list for a while. And over the you know the past few years, our friends have been. I've seen some reviews pop in, and it's kind of like brought it to mind. And, you know, there it was sitting, sitting there right in the middle of the 70s. It right. felt like the perfect fit for this month. 4.29 average among our supporters on Vija, the supercomputer who loves movies. Tabulates all our supporter ratings on Letterboxd. Oof. Perfect movie. A painting. <clears throat> Greatest of all time. Kubrick the wow. Master. 
What the? Just a taste of some of the reviews that I've seen come across my desk. Taste. So taste <laughs> this uh, feature presentation segment will go round table. Each host uh, tries to jot down three main points that we want to cover among the round table discussion. So let's start with the man who picked this film, Proto. So I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to watch some of the um, making of stuff on oh, nice. the Criterion disc oh. that I got for this. Um, had a nice little bonus feature disc with about, probably about two hours worth of content. Wow, um, nice. Where they cover just different aspects of the of the movie. And the main is, is like a making of that's like 45 minutes long. Um, and one of the things that really stood out to me was just how they talked about the locations and finding the locations for doing this. Um, one of the things they said early on, and I guess this would have been like interiors, but they were planning on building sets really? for a lot of stuff for this. Yes. But then like last minute, Kubrick changed his mind and he said, let's do it all location. So everything is done in, you know, real locations. They, wow. you know, they went to all the houses and then this movie, you know, it takes place in England and Ireland and I guess Germany mm -hmm. and maybe like maybe a Scotland. few fr France. Yeah. There's like a few, a few mm -hmm. pieces and every scene was actually done in that country to be as like authentic as possible. Um, and it was cool how they just showed like, you know, they would just send people out you know, he would send out photographers, you know, six, seven different photographers. And then they would just catalog all these places, take pictures and, you know, come back, bring them back to them. Um, uh, one of them that was really cool is there's like a scene where I think where he's like in, in, I guess he's supposed to be in Germany and he like drives through like this amazing, like there's this gravel road with like these giant buildings in the background. Uh, and they're actually... Um, they were like from the the czar at the time in Germany who had these administration buildings. And when they went there to do those scenes, they um, apparently like, the, I guess the government was happy to like, you know, want to help Kubrick because they like changed the road. They like took out everything that was modern. They like removed any of the flags. Wow. Oh, I think it was in East Germany uh, at the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's what they were saying. Um, so they were like very accommodating to like make all of this possible. Like they, yeah, mm. they poured gravel on the roads, but it was really fascinating. Um, but I think like that's one of the most striking things about this movie is that like, of course, Kubra can, uh, create a beautiful shot, but then it, mm -hmm. it also helps that a lot of it is just like very compelling from like the locations, like the scene, the first duel, um, where they're like beside the river and like how the camera pulls out and like how yeah. that scene just changes as more pieces come into view. But then it has just like that gorgeous background of the river behind it. Um, and the, the houses and whatnot, there was just like so many interesting places that I felt like it was shot in. It was gorgeous. Like everything about this movie is gorgeous. Like all of those scenes outdoors, like the countryside, can you imagine being one of those photographers getting sent out? For like yeah, a couple days. Job. Find me some beautiful locations, please. Yeah. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to get back as soon as I can, boss. Um, yeah, all those outdoor scenes, even filming in some of these locations, it reminds me of like having, like I had a job where I was like installing closets and you go into someone's nicer home, you have to like put stuff down on the floor. You have to wear mm. like little booties. I can't imagine being responsible to bring all this like filming equipment into these older places and, and not destroying anything yeah. that's valuable. Yeah. I sweat. One of the things that shocked me about the cinematography and the lighting of this was 
reading about the all-natural lighting that they had to use, or they chose to use. Everything was lit naturally, even the interior with the candle lights. And that was just kind of baffling to me. But also you could tell. You could tell that everything felt <clears throat> maybe like a painting, but everything kind of like like dreamlike uh, mm-hmm. for most of this film, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I'd, I'd be... This is a safe space. I didn't know anything about the natural candlelight stuff until I saw some reviews afterward and I had to go back on YouTube. The infamous candlelight scene from Barry Lyndon. I don't know why it was called infamous, but yeah, apparently like that wasn't uh, done before. And like for this Kubrick got special lenses that were developed for NASA to use, to take pictures, you know, in deep space, but they like, they reconfigured them to use them on, on just like, you know, their cameras, which is pretty wild. Yeah, it's the ones that Kubrick used to fake the moon landing. <laughs> John Alcott is the cinematographer who also did 2001, A Clockwork Orange, and The Shining. But John Alcott also did Terror Train and Beastmaster and <laughs> Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes with Christopher Lambert, which I added to my watch list immediately. Yeah, he won the Oscar for this movie too. Christopher Lambert? Nope. Uh, John Alcott. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the winner, Christopher Lambert as Tarzan. <laughs> Accepting for Christopher Lambert is. Uh, I'll go next. Let's talk Please. about duels. Oh. I need I need to have a deep dive on duels. There's, there are several duels in this movie. You know, you, you I kind of forgot about duels. You see them in old movies and maybe some books, drawings, people like pointing guns at each other. The idea of a duel is so bizarre to me. How did both people not die most of the time? It's so stupid. Is, is it like, are the bullets just like fra- such rare fragments that they would be solidified when they hit somebody or is just aiming so like impossible back then? Because anytime someone <laughs> is doing a duel, I would just assume you're both dead. Because how did they not get hit? And then later... When they had the the, the final duel uh, against Bullington, or whatever the kid's name was, one of them gets to shoot first. What kind of rule is that? Someone gets to <laughs> shoot at you first from 10 feet away. Heads or tails. Right. But what do you stand on duels? Well, I guess that's a way of letting fate decide. You know, maybe, you know, a higher power is at play in that. Well, I guess then, well, I guess, you know, that's a good question. You know, these are gentlemen. You know, and they're, you know, taking turns, but then, you know, cut to the wild west of America. And it's like, you know, what are the rules there? That's right. like when you're in the wild west and there are no rules, it's, you know, quickest, quickest on the draw. You're getting shot in the back at times, which isn't very nice either. So I think it's kind of like a pick your poison here. You know, do you want the coin flip or do you want to lose to this guy who's been shooting, you know, guns in his backyard his whole life waiting for this moment mm-hmm. to kill you? Something to think about. Couldn't they just arm wrestle? That's a good question. Well, do you get satisfaction from an arm wrestle? I would get satisfaction from beating someone. When's the last time you arm wrestled? Last week. I noticed the last duel, um, Barry turned sideways. I wonder if that was like a stance to either take it in the arm or not take like and not take it in the chest to face the guy. Oh, I was wondering if that was like a strategic way to stand. There was there was like four different ways to duel in this film. It was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. The The fencing, which was a weird way to duel because I didn't kill anybody, which was dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And then there was the regular just kind of saying they're both firing at the same time, which also was weird. I Because I'm used to, like Proto said, 10 paces turn and fire or something like that, or the first, uh, you know, quick draw. So it was very interesting. <laughs> Sharing that screenshot of him with the misfiring. <laughs> the misfire, so many oh my gosh. DMs and discords. Oh my God, it was cracking me up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I had to go back and it's such a dweeb. That. It is such a good meme. It's such a good meme. <laughs> it is a good and meme. And then I zoomed in on that photo. It looked like it I mean it looked like Say every it. dude <laughs> it looked like every man was wearing a diaper in those pants. <laughs> like he, he had a front that should not be appearing in any kind of pants, panel ends. Use yeah. if anyone's curious, just zoom in and you'll see it. <laughs> they yeah. all wore cups. For just in case for duels. First of all, that looks like Macaulay Culkin in that screenshot as well. That was one of the other things I noticed. It does look like Macaulay. Uh, Let's see. Danny, Number. what's your first point you want to bring up for Barry Lyndon? My first point is I don't know of another film that I've watched, at least recently, that comes to mind where the protagonist, where Barry is, or at least the protagonist of the film is so unlikable Mm. through the entire movie like from beginning to end i don't he's such a dud he's such a he's such like a loser grifter and it's he's just so unlikable and then he just he just gets worse and worse and worse and honestly him getting his leg shut off wasn't enough satisfaction for me i i wanted like i wanted him dead i wanted that dweeb to kill him like it, it just i i really did it, it was and honestly i think barry's character is what kind of brings the movie down for me a bit i just really did not enjoy that story you know i had a thought that i didn't put in my review cuz i didn't want to like cloud my opinion of it but i can think of another movie that's gorgeous, that had a character that I couldn't connect to, and it's Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. Like, I couldn't find that moment that made me kind of care about him in that gorgeous, lush movie for whatever reason. Um, And I was doing a little research myself Oh, talk to me. There is an interview I read with Kubrick. Um, I think it's like the kubrickarchives.org or whatever it's called. But he talks about, I guess the the original book was... um, Thackeray wrote the original book of the movie that's based on. Um, he says, Thackeray referred to it as a novel without a hero. Barry is naive and uneducated. He's driven by relentless ambition for wealth and social position. This proves to be an unfortunate combination of qualities, which eventually lead to great misfortune and unhappiness for him and those around him. Your feelings about Barry are mixed, but he has charm and courage and it's impossible not to like him despite his vanity. His insensitivity and his weaknesses. He's a very real character who is neither a conventional hero nor a conventional villain. Proto, what do you think? Yeah, I hadn't read this book, but I remember in college, I I did read the book Tom Jones, which is a novel that is similar to this, um, where it, it it centers around like a, another like roguish character who you, you you follow over the course of his life and he threw, you know, like wit and in clever ways, tries to climb the social ladder. Um, and I, yeah, I wonder if, I wonder how funny this book, the book is or is supposed to be because it didn't seem like there was much connection to humor. Well, I guess there was some, but it didn't really endear you to the character much. Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't know, like that, I think a book like this that's over 200 years old is probably hard to translate or even just the content itself 
um, to bring over. And then there was something in the documentary where Cooper kind of mentioned that about almost like he, he expected like the, the, the person watching this almost like watching from afar, like from a distance, like observing this. Um, because I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really connect much with the, the character or, you know, the characters either. I felt like I was more of just like observing what was going on in the story. And I guess if you want to get like nerdy, you could say that like, it's almost like many of the paintings that this aspires to mimic in some ways. Like you're just kind of from afar observing and putting your own perspective on things. It really felt when it begins him trembling with his cousin and stuff like, like that whole beginning, I thought that this was going to be funnier than it was. It honestly felt, I really, it just felt very Monty Python-ish. Yeah, almost. Like I wanted to see the coconuts coming over the hill, getting clacked together for a bit. The music also was weird to me. It, It really did. Everything felt like I'm waiting for a joke to hit. And anything that was going on, it was really weird. Like it really had a Monty Python, Holy Grail vibe to it. Um, I saw something bonkers in our Discord that your wife DNF'd this movie. We sat down and we got 25 minutes in and all of a sudden the TV pauses and I look over (laughs) and she's like, I I can't do this. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll go to my office and watch it. It was it. She was done. She kicked you out. It was, we were done, done for that, for this movie. Wow. But I don't expect her to go back and watch it. Wow. Yeah, it did not finish. Mm. I don't think this movie is for everybody either. This is a, this is a very specific movie. I, I wouldn't recommend to just random people. I mean, I, the lowest rating in my friends list, I have one person with three stars. Everyone else is. Stay tuned. Mainly four stars. Uh, whose turn is it? I think it's Proto's. Do we get Danny your first point? Yeah, I did. Barry is a dud. Barry, yeah, dud Barry. <laughs> and I guess too, like we didn't really talk about, you know, the actor that played Barry, Ryan O'Neill, who looking like when you first said we we're going to do this movie, I looked to see what the cast, who the cast was. And I was like, what? Ryan yeah, O'Neill is yeah, the lead here? And Kubrick did touch on that in this interview that was conducted years later. Someone asked, like the, I I meant to say what year it was, but the interviewer kind of asked him, he's like, you haven't really ever done an interview about Barry Lyndon. And he talks about how the movie was still, it wasn't completed until like two or three months before release. And also the fact that he said he doesn't like doing interviews. But he said, looking back, he chose Ryan because he thought he had more in him than the work that he had so far. And he, he thought he was right. He thought he got more out of Ryan in the role than than Ryan O'Neill had previously done in his work. So at least that's Kubrick's opinion. Proto, what's your second point? Um, Second point, uh, I think it was just the, the overall look and especially like the, the costumes in this, um, like everything just looks incredible to me, everyone in costume and the amount of different sets and characters in these, you know, seemingly like very complex or, you know, just elegant costumes of the time um, was impressive and it felt very authentic. And in the documentary, it does say that um, some of these were actually legit, um, like historical pieces that they were able to borrow. Um, So some of the things that um, uh, Ryan O'Neill wore, 
uh, I can't remember the, his, uh, the countess Linden, Lady Linden, Lady Linden, what she wore. And then like the, the British officer uniforms. So That's they were incredible. actually legit. Yeah. Like the real legit thing. So, and then of course, like the, some of the things, like I, I'm fascinated by this period. Cause it's, it's, it's just like crazy to think like people live this way, but like that whole social norm of like the painting of faces, I it's just like unbelievable with like the, the beauty marks too, the like applied holes. to their face. Yes. It's wild. One of, one of my, what I was going to write in my review is I like, what universe is this movie from? Like, I still <laughs> can't wrap my head around that. Like, I mean, hundreds of years, isn't that long ago where you're, yeah putting this face paint on it's just it was so bonkers to me it did win for best costume design the academy awards best art direction best cinematography and best scoring i meant to say i actually really loved the main piece of music that really floats about in this movie a lot um that was probably my favorite part that piece of music um but yeah i like so much of this movie is me kind of staring at everyone with what they're wearing and i was like what are we doing what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I sound like a total idiot when I say that, but <laughs> it's just crazy to look back and see in film like how things you know were. Like I just don't get it. I, I wouldn't yeah. be able to live wearing all this get up. What one of the things that I could like wrap my head around <clears throat> the British officers' outfits, how they have almost like tuxedo tails. Yeah. But then they're pinned up. Yes. A little bit. I could yeah. stop staring at that. I don't know why. It bothered me. Like, why is it pinned up? What is the point of that? Yeah, the amount of material, extra material. Just cut it off. <laughs> the amount of work you needed to go to just take a whiz in the 1700s. <laughs> like, what's the point? Just, yeah. I don't even know what I would do. Game it looks so uncomfortable. That's why they're wearing diapers. Those britches they're wearing. <laughs> it looked like they were wearing oh a diaper. Gosh. I was going to zoom in and screenshot, but I wasn't sure if it was appropriate for live chat. It's not. It wouldn't. It probably would have been blocked by the by the by the bot. I did find myself so much of the time, as you said, like just kind of like staring at this incredible movie. But I kept. It's so cliche to say, but watching it, I'm like, this is something that's never going to happen again. The locations, the outfits, the amount of people in these scenes. Like this is this just. This gets CGI'd. This gets motion captured. This doesn't. Mm-hmm. This doesn't happen anymore. We don't go to seven different countries to film at castles with a hundred casts wearing period pieces like this. There was a scene where it just camera pans looking across a park, and there's just people everywhere in these costumes, and I'm just like, this doesn't. This doesn't happen anymore. This is. Yeah. This is a like. I don't even know. Even around that time, if things were still being made like that, this feels like Kubrick is just reigning supreme and getting everything he wants and it looks incredible and it pays off. I mean, this film is stunning. There is I, I searched. I didn't see a 4K of this. There's not right? just the no just 4K. the Criterion Blu-ray, I believe. Which is the 4K technical 4K transfer, yeah. right? Upscale. Oh, they say it, it on the back. My second point uh is maybe just a quick hit on a character, Captain Quinn. The captain who is like trying to marry his cousin that he had the hots for. He wanted to bone mm-hmm. his own cousin and vice versa. Uh, captain Quinn is a soldier who comes in and like the marriage is going to bring 15, I don't know what currency it was, 15 something or other, 15,000. 15,000. I don't even know if I can say that word. That sounds like a slur, <laughs> Sorry, to be honest. But you can bleep me. <laughs> I don't know what I just said, actually. <laughs> is this the end of 70mm? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so he, 
I mean, his he's such a character actor in this movie. Like there are so many scenes where he's like blowing his top. I mean, his first entrance where he's doing that like thing with the soldiers and he cocks his head to the side. <laughs> oh, I, was, yes. I was trying to take- That's a, what I thought this was a joke. I was trying to take photos of my TV. Like I have so many. And then I was like, no, I need a high quality version. So I looked on YouTube and I couldn't find a high quality version. Uh, and I knew that Apple wouldn't let me take a screenshot. It was a whole mess. But there's so many scenes he's making these weird faces. There's one line where he's like, Barry comes in when he's like, you know, ogling the cousin and he pulled, he has like the little thing, you know, piece of fabric that he's pulled out. But then Barry like reveals he has the same one. And he's like, Mm. I've had enough of Miss Bready here and her Irish ways. (laughs) (laughs) I was cracking up. I was like rewinding Captain (laughs) Quinn scenes, the whole movie. I've had enough of Miss Brady here and your Irish ways. And then they, they have that dinner where he's also like insulted and he demands satisfaction. They do the duel and you don't find out until later. He like, he shoots Captain Quinn and then leaves town. Um, and Captain Quinn is like presumed dead. You don't find out until later that Captain, it was all a ruse. They just wanted Barry out of town. So they faked, they, would they filled it with toe, whatever the hell that is. Yeah. So Captain Quinn was alive and well, the marriage it's went on his plan. They just got the hell, they got rid of Barry. Yeah. Uh, and that guy's such a coward. You the think dweeb. about it. Like first yeah. he tries to just buy off uh, Barry, and then, but then, of course, the, the bullets fake as well, just to get him out of town. Mm-hmm. Coward, cowardice. <laughs> Need a sequel with cat that focuses on Captain Quinn, his his youth in the army. <laughs> Barry Lyndon too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about the Passion of the Christ sequel that's allegedly in the. Oh, we don't earlier. need to talk about that. <laughs> My God. Is Caviezel doing it? Yeah, they're, he's allegedly he's James coming Caviezel's back too. doing it? Yeah. If you don't think we're doing both you things, <laughs> we're having this month. God, the Passion of the Christ. Oh, boy. <laughs> Last Temptation. It's La- a big we have month to we do can Last do. Temptation of Christ. I that agree. We have, oh my God, yeah, April. Oh, Easter Wait, month. Wait, could we do Religious Month finally in April? But we have, when's, when's Passion of the Christ too? We got to wait. Not, we got time right. That's going to be years before that comes out. No. They'll Dan- get it done. Danny, what's your number two? Number two uh, is probably my favorite moment in this movie. And it's um, when Barry comes in and <laughs> he tells the husband of Lady Lyndon that, I don't know what he was going to, I don't actually remember what he's going to tell him. And he freaks out on him and he dies. But the monologue that he gives, yelling while he's having a heart attack, trying to take his pills. Honestly, it's the best performed scene in the movie. I couldn't stop laughing at this scene. Uh, and Barry just standing there. Like, it, it, I don't know what it was about it, but it really tickled me. And it was so well performed that I just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. The mole, the fake moles on his face, the white face paint, yeah. everything about that scene was just singing. I just, it was great. What a good scene. Can you imagine insulting someone to the point where they have a heart attack and die? <sighs> That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it one day. <laughs> yeah, that was a great scene. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating too later how his mother, you know, she reveals him like, you know, you're ma- like, so Barry marries into wealth and with Bullington who's already born and they have a son with his own son. The, his mother tells him, like, you're not going to get any of this money when she dies. It's all mm-hmm. going to go to the son. So you need to actually- you need to be a lord. Yeah, you need to bribe some people to get a title. 
And then that's a lot of the movie where he's like bribing people. Um, they're spending money. I mean, half this movie is them doing bills oh in that gosh. one room. I understand. The idea, I, I need a documentary on how they paid bills. <clears throat> I don't understand the concept of money in the 1700s. It didn't look like any money existed. There's just paper that said that they were, they had money. That's yeah, like it was just notes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a debit from my account, this uh, amount, and they sent it away. But then they're also like, they're, they think they're running out of money. How do you know you're running out of money? I haven't seen any cash flow. I don't even, who's got a job in this family? <laughs> Nobody did. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you remind me of when Casey shows me my PayPal receipts. God. And then she, six lashes in the next there's, room. There's nothing worse than your spouse sending you a screenshot of a, of a transaction in the bank account with a question mark. I dare you to find something worse. Terrified. I did love that library they had, though. Oh, yeah, that was great. They were set up there. Yeah. Amazing with those books. Ugh. Is it my third? Purtis third. Oh, so one thing that I thought was interesting of how the story progressed was, I don't remember if it was in the first, like the end of the first part at the beginning of the second, where there's a narrator throughout this whole movie. And then... Um, they're playing a game in the lawn and then the, the narrator basically like spoils the second half of the movie saying that Barry Lyndon is destined to be, to die penniless, childless and alone. <laughs> and this is like when he's at the height, like he's married, they're in all this wealth, living this lavish life. And then they drop that factoid on you. And I was like, huh, they just spoiled the movie for you because at that <laughs> point, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I thought that was just like a really interesting choice, uh, especially how the story progresses and just knowing he's going to die childless. And then like here he has this eight-year-old son or whatever. And then, you know, it's like, oh, it's his birthday. He wants a horse. And you can kind of see it coming. Mm. Like, oh man, something's yeah. going to go wrong here. So in that way, it's kind of interesting though, knowing what's going to happen. Like this kid's going to die somehow. Yeah. Uh, and then how they kind of lead up to that. So I just thought that was like an interesting way to tell the story by giving it away. Yeah. Yeah. They do set up the, like, you could have called this like the, I think was the, actually the book was, was it called the fall of Barry Lyndon or something like that? Maybe. Um, but yeah, like they, they, you are on the ride expecting to see what the hell is going to happen to this dud. Like how sideways is our things going to go for him? And I just reminded me of a scene. We talked about how like he's very unlikable and there was some comments in chat about how that's true. And I've seen a lot of reviews, like five-star reviews that say the same thing. But when he's first in that carriage with Lady Linden and he's smoking and he blows the smoke in her face. I just... That might have been the point where Casey DNF. That's probably where I would have. I would have <laughs> That's DNF'd. like seventy five minutes into I mean, the movie. What kind of a human being does that? I would have strangled him. If I He's were. a dud. I needed to see him die better than the way he did. He didn't even die. <laughs> that shot of the kid getting thrown off the horse looked dangerous. That looked painful. That looked, that looked very dangerous. Yeah, yeah uh, they talk really about paralyzed. that in the the making of. So Kubrick wasn't there for that shot. They had like the second unit go, oh. and they had a kid on a horse, and they're like, "All right, you know, like let's run him out there and do it." And that was the first take where he goes up on the horse, and then um, the you know director he calls uh, Kubrick and he's like, "I th- I think we got we did one shot, but I think <laughs> we have it." And of course Kubrick's known for doing hundreds, of you know, takes. hundreds of shots for anything. <laughs> Uh, so he's like, I don't know about that, but yeah, they they did it one take because it was just that good. Yeah. Was he okay? Kid, the was kid there died. any injury? <laughs> yeah, the kid, yeah, the kid died actually. 
I hate to tell you. That's actually it was him shot. in the coffin in that one scene. That was the real funeral Listen, procession. if you think I did laugh when they showed that kid wrapped up in a bed, <laughs> all I wanted to do is Photoshop some face into that Give me your hand, kid. father. Mother, give me your hand. I can't feel my legs. No more fighting between the both of you if I die. What? Uh, my third point. We've actually gone through all of my third points. I thought Bullington was, we talked about. Wait, which one's that? Bullington is the first son, the oldest. Oh. We talked about Barry Lyndon being a dud. Bullington. Man, I probably wanted to slap him around more than once in this movie. He just looked like he needed a slap. Like a good slap. And I don't agree with Barry Lyndon's whipping at all. I thought, you know, they're both like Barry is just, I don't understand Barry. Like, you know, you're not going to get any money. Why piss this kid off even more at mm-hmm. this point? Right. You, if a plan B would be to get in this kid's good graces, right? Yeah. Like maybe be a good dad. Did you yeah. try that? Yeah, yeah. Barry's just an idiot all around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is not the technique, sir. Danny, third final point. I really, okay. I really liked uh, the, the one, kind of battle scene where Barry's marching across a field with they're all lined up the when the when the other guy dies with him he takes him off the field right before he deserts mm-hmm. um that scene looked incredible the the lineup the 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 marching the the killing <laughs> I really enjoyed it it's just a good battle scene that was very I don't know I feel like a lot of battle scenes are just like the world war twos and people running, but the, I like, I like the like formation kind of stuff. That was mm-hmm. fun to watch. felt really realistic. But then when he had to carry him off the the field and uh, he asked him to kiss him one more time and he laid a real good kiss on his it lips. It was a great kiss. Like that was Mitch. a, that was a real good kiss. That could have been like MTV movie. Awards. Jimmy Stewart. S kiss of the, Oh, you that, that's close. Not enough cheek rubbing, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was, was a, a fascinating kiss. scene. He, what do you say? Like, kiss me as you'll never see me ever again or something yeah. like that. Or as I'm yeah, dying. Yeah, yeah. He leaves him a hundred guineas. <laughs> <laughs> something was in his pocket. I need to get confirmation from legal that that is. <laughs> not I have to bleep it again. I'm sorry. Word. Take the guineas from my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, take the guineas from my pocket. Yeah. Great scene. Um, all right. It's Proto- time. Proto, final thoughts, honorable mentions, and ratings for Barry Lyndon, the masterpiece. Uh, yeah, I had some other notes just from the documentary, some like interesting facts. Um, so when they did the carriage scenes, uh, they tried it a few different ways. So it wasn't like pulled by a, a horse, I think because they said it was like too loud. Um, mm. And then they tried with a car, but they couldn't like keep this the right pace uh, with a car. So they ended up having 12 guys. <laughs> what the <laughs> pull the, the carriages around wherever oh they had God. shots inside of the carriage, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, so when they were shooting in Ireland, at mm-hmm. one point, the IRA gave a threat of kidnapping Stanley Kubrick. And as soon as they got that, Kubrick was like, I'm out. And they just left <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> like they just like quit right away. <laughs> this is what Bono was singing about. <laughs> 
Um, another crazy thing is so like they, they were they were they did a lot of research. Like Kubrick, of course, you can imagine he's like known for his levels of research. Like he looked at thousands of books. He had thousands of pages of notes and annotated pages of different art. Um, you know, they chose all the art for the different uh, rooms. Um, but he wanted to know how a how a, like a noble person would greet uh, a king. Um, so they he and they had like a somebody who knew the queen affiliated with like the movie so they could bounce ideas off. And he eventually, he called the queen to, he was like, well, why don't we call her? So he calls the queen uh, with Stanley in the room and then he's asking her questions. And then at one point he's like, you know, the queen wants to talk to you. Oh my gosh. He, Stanley got to talk to the the queen about the movie, um, which is pretty wild. Also Um, like, was she the only person who, had that knowledge passed down right. from generation to generation. Let's write that stuff down. <laughs> well, queen. I guess the idea was that like people would greet her now. So it's like, how are people greeting you now? Um, mm. Cause she's like one of the few people who would have any idea. Um, I, and I was also impressed by how every, well, they don't, they don't have a lot of actors to interview. It was basically the two, um, the two young actors who did Bullington when he was like very young. And then like the, the, the older version, um, but they, how highly uh, they spoke of Stanley Kubrick and everything that he did, uh, like his whole process. I guess I had like in my head that just because he did so many shots um, over and over again, that like actors would be like kind of soured to his style or it'd be like, oh, he's like really tough to work with. Or maybe that was like talked about during the Shining episode, like that maybe some actors did have that experience, but right. well, everyone she, just talked. Who's the lead in Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall had a nightmare like, a situation. Nightmare, with yeah. Him. yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's just like a mix, but everybody in this, like they were just like praised him and like talked so highly of him, um, which was, which was interesting to hear. Um, yeah. Final thoughts, uh, rating for this. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't, I thought it would looked great too, but I wasn't really taken by the story. I think by the end of it, um, I didn't really like feel much of anything. I didn't really feel that involved. And then mm. again, I also didn't find it like that funny. I mean, it looked amazing. And watching the the making of, it was like incredible just to see all the effort that went into doing this. And it's it's really an, an incredible feat. But just term in terms of you know my enjoyment of watching it, I want to say it was like through the roof. Uh, so I'm at three stars for Barry wow. Lyndon. Wow! 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 The masterpiece, Barry Lyndon. Hmm. My honorable mentions, there was, I have a lot of just random notes about their pants still. It also <laughs> looked like Ryan O'Neill was packing heat down there. Excuse me. If you get my drift. 100 guineas. <laughs> <laughs> a roll of 100 guineas. Um, I read in my review, but I thought the duel at the end it could have been an hour long if it was 10 minutes. It felt so long. Um, I'm the same way. I, I It looks gorgeous. I said I, I said the same thing about Lawrence of Arabia. I just didn't really connect or care. Like, and I know people say, you don't have to connect. You don't have to connect with Barry Lyndon. He's a, he's a bad guy. But that doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy the movie, really, necessarily. At oh. least from my perspective. So I'm at three and a half stars for Barry Lyndon. Three and a half. I'll tell you what, I, I was I posted some memes of like Kermit on fire on Twitter saying how I, <laughs> when I discovered the runtime, all of the fans came out. I got a lot of replies really? to those tweets. Like it should have been longer. 
Give me another Scheibe. hour. A perfect oh. movie. I didn't like most of those. Give me another tweets. hour. They I'll said. Tell you what, I did not like most of those. They're not winning Letterbox for a year. I don't. I don't know if they're going to see this rating. It might string me up like Kermy. What's your final thoughts and rating? I am giving this three stars. That's my final thought. I bored isn't the right word because I wasn't bored in this film, but I just wanted it over. It was only I could only take so much of. I don't know the beauty. <laughs> Right. It's like this. Yeah. Great. Every scene looks incredible. Everyone looks incredible. The performances are fine. I just couldn't care less about this story. It was fine. Mm. So I'm three stars. Mm. A masterpiece. A lot of, a lot of probably rubbing foreheads on their podcast app right now. A lot of unsubscribes. <laughs> a lot of unsubscribes. <laughs> Listen, if you're typing on Apple Podcasts right now, you're hovering over the one star. People have different opinions on movies. That's the beauty of the thing. We have different experiences. What is a four-star movie anyway, really? Hmm. Four and a half stars for Megan, though, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) We have some letters to get to. You can shoot us an email at 70mmpod at gmail.com. We got a few. Let me see if I can pull up our letter machine, make sure I got all the ones we need to go through. You can also send us an audio memo, voice memo using your iPhone. There's links on uh, 70mmpod.com. This comes from Nick. Subject line. We ready for this? Wear your darn shoes at the movies. Oh my God. Cry laughing emoji. There we go. This is from Nick. All right, writing that down. Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I just made the list. Hey, 70MM, I just wanted to come on here and thank you for a few specific things. The first is creating this amazing podcast. You're welcome. The first time I heard you guys was about a year ago on a rating day at the lumber yard I used to work at. Funny enough, when it rains, no one wants to buy wood. So halfway through that never-ending day, I found the 70MM podcast through Danny's awe-inspiring Instagram page. Oh my gosh. I quickly opened up Spotify and threw on the Matrix Resurrections episode. Mia. And I thought, quote, these guys are whack. I couldn't believe the positive <laughs> reviews I was hearing for this film. I almost turned it off, but I thought to myself, when was the last time I listened to a podcast where it was just genuine friends talking about movies? So I kept going, and now you guys are my go-to podcast. Thank my you. favorite episode so far is the Indiana Jones series, Chef's Kiss. Slim, it again. thank you for your comedy. Proto, thank you for your superb intros. Although not doing half-star ratings is a little unsettling. And Danny, oh. thank you for constantly creating movie art that is above and beyond any modern movie poster. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Lastly, I want to thank you guys for relighting the love I have for films. As a kid, I would make movies with my friends. My favorite was a total not ripoff of Star Wars called Galaxy <laughs> Hunters, complete with lightsaber knives, not swords, so I couldn't get sued. <laughs> But that fire went away when adulthood came around. But you guys have inspired me to finally get back to it and create and release a short film. You guys are amazing. Thank you for all that you do. Even the Dune app. And that comes from Nick. Mm. Thank you, Nick. So, Nick, in this one email, he attacks the freedom of foot movement, <laughs> Matrix Resurrections, a five-star movie, and my, ha- my no half-star ratings. <laughs> he came for you. Oh, Nick, I, I still support you. Thank you. <laughs> Man, the Matrix Resurrection episode was a delight. What a time. Watching a you new Matrix what? movie at home. What a moment. 
you know what snuck in with the letter letterbox feed was down. Dale, oh. Dale watched that and rated I that. Did you guys yeah. see that? He did. Did you that see rating. that? He knew the feeds were down. I'm shook. He probably watched that shook months ago. <laughs> Decided it was time. It was time to post it. <laughs> Dale's in the studio right now. He's. We're not making eye contact right now. He's checking the feeds. Megan sends a letter. Subject line: Please, for the love of God. Oh gosh, that's the subject line. Hola, here are some stats for 70s month so far. Scenes from a marriage, two hours, 49 minutes, foreign language film. Jean Dielman, three hours, 22 minutes, foreign language film. Barry Lyndon, three hours, five minutes. I'll be completely honest, I haven't watched any movies from this month so far. Barry Lyndon <laughs> seemed interesting to me, but it's over three hours long and got yanked from HBO Max right after Proto announced it. <laughs> These movies are just too daunting for me, especially the foreign language films. So, Danny, oh. I implore you, please save this month for me. I need a simple movie, a short movie. 90 minutes would be great. But at this point, I'll take anything under two hours. I'm holding out <laughs> hope for a 1970s Disney flick pick. Goodness. Can you say that on a podcast? Love a simple <laughs> gal who loves movies, or is it who loves to watch movies? Who can say, mm, really? That's a good question. That comes from Megan. Megan, hmm. listen, the movie I have picked is 96 minutes long. 96. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. We will Coming reveal in. Danny's pick in mere moments. Coming in hot. Danny riding on a horse like Gandalf the White over that hill, probably. <laughs> Stay tuned. Gandalf. Final letter. This comes from Michael. Barry Lyndon and the January theme. A lot of upset people about January. I just want to drop a quick line to thank you for the amazing journey so far in January. Barry Lyndon had been on my watch list for quite some time, so I appreciate the nudge. I did like this movie, but felt that the lead role could have gone to someone more deserving and more fitting. Ryan O'Neill seemed a bit out of his league here. All in all, this was a lovely movie to look at, and while it's not high on my Kubrick list, that doesn't really take much away from it since he made quite a few masterpieces. The January theme has been pretty incredible as there could have been a lot more obvious choices from the 70s. I look forward to continuing the trend of movies that clock in over three hours from this month. Patton, Deer Hunter, but wanted oh to my reiterate God. my Discord suggestion for February. This would give our beloved podcasters as well as the VHS Village a bit of a breather, so let's lock this in. February, <laughs> 90 minutes or less. I think it would be fun to see what shorter movies you guys come up with to meet the theme. Sadly, that would mean that Mortal Engines would be pushed for yet another month. Mm. That joke is still good, right? I'm approaching a year <laughs> as a member of the VHS Village and a listener to this podcast, and I'm looking forward to what you cook up over the next year. Take care. That comes from Mike Scott. Thank you, Mike. Can you imagine if uh, Jack Nicholson had played Barry? Oh, my God. A banger. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine it. I, yeah. I have seen... I lost count the amount of times people have suggested February being a shorter month. Lost count. It's a short month. Just because it has a few less days? Yeah. Is that the connect? Is that it's the, it's the no threat? less a great month. That's true. You know? Mm. We may have plans already. Maybe we have plans. <laughs> <laughs> I would love, I'd love to do Deer Hunter. I watched that when I worked at the, the video store. The double VHS. That is a long one. Deer Hunter. My God. Get I'll be nuts. dragged out into the streets if I pick Deer Hunter. <laughs> Uh, I think that is it for the letters, and it is time. Oh, my. 
for Danny to reveal his pick for this. Yeah. So like I said, 96 minutes, uh, we're going to unplug our brain for a second. We've been plugged into heavy movies, deep movies, foreign movies, Kubrick movie. Uh, so this one uh, from 1977, two lead actors, actor, actress, we haven't had on the pod yet. I love this. Uh, directed by Hal Needham, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh my God. <laughs> Excuse Burt me. Burt Reynolds, Sally Field. We're going hard. Oh my God. What? What? It's time. Smokey <laughs> and the We're doing Smokey and the Bandit. Oh Amanda. my God. Sally Field. Look mm-hmm. at this poster. Are you oh. kidding me? I'm oh stunned. Oh my God. I'm stunned. A young Sally Field. Mm-hmm. Taking A young home. Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Jackie Gleason. Yep. What does V'ger say about this? I feel like I've seen Smoking the Bandit as a kid a bunch, mm-hmm. but I have no recollection of seeing it as an adult. Same. I know my dad had it on. This and Dukes of Hazard were nonstop. Uh, I need V'ger to wake up. <laughs> V'ger, please, we need to find some data here. V'ger, Action, adventure, comedy. We're here to have a good time to end this month. Average, average rating on V'ger from our sports, four stars. Oh, Okay. There's only six people that have it logged, but <laughs> but still, Perfect. it's enough for an average. Uh, oh, my Cannonball Run was another movie that Hal Needham did. Mm-hmm. That is a movie. Cannonball's a banger. Oh, my God. Another incredible poster. This movie centers around a transporting an illegal beer shipment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big pick. Megan, this was for you. Big pick. All right, Smoking the Bandit is next. We have some plan. We have some big plans coming up. We do for the week after that, and then bigger plans mm-hmm. after that. Yeah, it only gets bigger from here. Foreign language month. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> did you notice I put my name first for the uh, next month? No, I didn't notice that. I, I did. Oh, I excuse me. Well, you know what? Funny enough, we got we rotated for some reason. Like I started. I last rotated month. us. Oh. I didn't even know you were doing Danny's that. Danny's the rotator. I'm rotator. Danny's setting <laughs> guidelines in the Google Doc without us even knowing. I'm excited for next month, and I'm just I want to go first. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it up. Proto, any closing thoughts this week before we see uh, Smokey and the Bandit? Yeah, there was one more factoid from oh. um, the the behind the scenes. Uh, it was something about Stanley. It was when they were shooting um, the boxing match scene when he's in the army. Oh, and yeah. there, what I thought was cool is there's some scenes that are, the camera is handheld, you know, and it's moving in. But I, I felt like those really stood out because so much of it is, you know, it's so set up with, a, you know, the camera stationary and or it's just like zooming in or out. Um, but this scene was handheld and it showed a behind the scenes picture and it was Stanley holding holding the camera uh, you know, he was he was doing the shot himself, and the the the, the person they were interviewing was talking about. It. He said that Stanley would cradle the camera with with his hands in a way that like no one did. Like he wasn't holding it the way you should. Like he was holding it as if like he would you would like hold a baby. Um, and I was I was really touched by this image of Stanley. You know, here he is. He's in a field. He's filming Ryan O'Neill in a boxing match. He had a beige 
raincoat in and his eye is pressed up against his viewfinder. You know, his knees are bent and his, his head's cocked and he has his hands, you know, just cradling this camera like no one had before. And the guy they were interviewing, he said, he said it was like, it was pre-steady cam. It was like Stanley was doing something that no one, they didn't have steady cam at that point. Like Stanley was inventing this as he was doing it. And it was almost as if like Stanley intuitively knew what he was doing. Like he wasn't holding the camera like anyone else did. And I just thought, you know, like that's the way it goes sometimes when you love something. You know, you, you love it enough that you just find, you pave new roads. You find new ways of doing things. And that's what Stanley was doing. I just thought that was beautiful. I think I, I, think I heard the same sentiment about Austin Butler as Elvis. Okay. Cut, the, <laughs> cut the stream. We're done. <laughs> we'll see everybody next week for Smoking the Bandit. Millimeter is a tape deck production featuring original artwork provided by Danny Haas. Spiritual Guidance and V'ger, the robot who loves movies, provided by Pertalexis. Producer at large, Dale underscore A. Transcripts provided by Sophie Shin and music composed by Cinematric. Prints and other merch are available on 70mmpod.com. This episode was mixed, edited, and produced by me, Slim. Support our Patreon for access to our VHS Village Discord to talk movies with new friends, access to our exclusive episodes in the 70mm vault, discounts on merch, uncut episodes, and a physical membership card mailed to you. To check out other Tape Deck podcasts, find the link in the episode notes. And if you'd like to support our friends at Letterboxd and upgrade to pro or patron status, you can do so with a 20% off discount using the links on 70mmpod.com. Goodbye. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Ooh.